All right, 1 John chapter 2, let's open with a word of prayer, let's dig into the word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you, we ask, Lord, now as we go to your word, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. And we pray, Lord, if anybody here today doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. And Lord, if any of us are not walking with you right now, if our walk with you has faded, Lord, I pray you draw us back into yourself. And so, Lord, we love you, we praise you, I thank you for every person who's here, none by chance, all by divine appointment. Lord, be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Briefly, this letter was written by John, the one to, who described himself as the apostle that Jesus loved. He was one of the inner circle of that three with Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration, went with him uh, when he went into the garden to pray. He was the last one at the cross. He was the one who the care of Jesus' earthly mother was put into John's hands. And so at this point, more than likely, all the other apostles are gone. They've all been martyred. John's the last one left. We know that's certainly true when we get to Revelation, which is coming up here pretty soon. I know a lot of you are excited about that. But you know, the, as John writes this letter, these Gnostics have raised up. They were false teachers who taught two different things that were both in error. One was that as long if you gave your spirit to the Lord, you could live however you wanted because your flesh was evil anyway. So just as long as your spirit is saved, you can just live like the devil. And then the other thing they taught was you could, be, you could come to a place, the other extreme was, where you could become totally sinless and you could walk in perfection. Both of those were in error. So you can imagine how John's blood must have boiled when he heard all this stuff being taught about the one he knew the one that he walked with. And so 1 John is such a great exhortation and reminder of who we are in Christ. So as we come to this morning's text, grab your outline if you have it. And I titled the message, Marks of Truly or True Born Again Believers. And there's two points we're gonna look at this morning. So if you've truly been born again, if you're a new creation in Christ, if you're no longer the person you were dead in your trespasses and sins, these two things are going to be evident in your life. Number one, how you see the world and how you relate to it. The Bible says we're to be in the world, but not of it. As I often tell you, the boat's in the water. We don't need water in the boat. Amen? So we're in the world, ministering to the world, but not in it. Those who are truly born again will see the, the uh, world differently. We don't love the world, and it's not our home. It's our mission field. Amen? Guys, we're going to be dead a lot longer than we're alive. We're going to close our eyes on earth. We're going to open them up in glory. And we're going to spend eternity where home really is in heaven. And until we get there, we want to be faithful with the calling that God has placed upon our lives. We are called to be salt and light to a lost and a dying world. We should live every day with a heavenly focus. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 2, to set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And we are, our desires, our passions, our appetites, where we invest our time, our treasures and talents should have an eternal focus. And then we'll see that the flesh is never satisfied. Who can say amen to that? No matter how much you feed it, it wants more. People were mocking me yesterday because I put up a barbecue picture if you saw it. Because my wife's in Colorado. So when she's gone, no more vegetables. We're just all about, it's just... That was barbecue and steaks and hamburgers and sausage and hot, you know, and then they're great, leftover, good stuff. Point I'm making, though, is 
I'm still going to get hungry again. Amen? And the same is true of our flesh when it comes to the sin that can so easily entangle us. The enemy will lie to you and tell you just, they call people saying, you know, sowing wild oats or getting it out of your system. It never gets out of your system. And we're going to see the three things he's going to talk about in this morning's text. The lust of the flesh, and that's things that please your physical body. Lust of the eyes, these are sinful desires uh, to possess that which we see. It's envy and covetousness. We see things, we want them. And then finally, the pride of life, anything that exalts self. We talked about this in 2017. The word of the year was selfie because it's all about self and we want to be famous and known. And how many followers do you have? Guys, it's not how many people follow you, but who you follow that matters. Amen. We need to be following the Lord. So point number one we'll see is how you see the world and how you relate to it. And then secondly, who we say that Jesus is. Look, if you're born again, believer in Christ, it's going to reveal that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you by who you say that Jesus is. And if you say anything about Jesus contrary to the truth of who he is, it says in this morning's text that you have the spirit of Antichrist. I tried to find the video. I played this when I was pastoring in Santa Cruz when I taught this text. And it's a Catholic priest. And again, I do believe within the Catholic Church, there are people who are saved. But I also believe that the Catholic Church itself is false. Amen. 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 About 10 people want to get up and leave right now. <laughs> but they asked this Catholic priest on Larry King, do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Now that's a pretty easy question. What's the answer? Yeah. There you go. Everybody in here knows it. Catholic priest goes, well, you know, I, you know, I, I think maybe for me, but you know, I think we could learn a lot from the Muslims. You know, they pray five times a day and I think we could learn from them and we could learn from, and he starts naming all these other religions and like we could learn from them that, you know what that's called? False prophet. Amen. Amen. Now, again, there may be some Catholic priests that are teaching the truth, but the Pope is, you know, they have things like Mary can be co-redeemer and only salvation is in the Catholic church. Our salvation is not in the church. We are the church. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ. And there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Amen. And we cannot dial that down. We should not be ashamed of it. Let's shout it from the mountaintops. Amen. Now we're going to see the false prophets will rise up to deceive many. And what's interesting, they all have one thing in common. Joseph Smith of the Mormon Church, Charles Taze Russell, the Jehovah's Witnesses, Mary Baker Eddy, Religious Science, L. Ron Hubbard of Scientology, the Catholic Church, Islam, Buddha, the Jews haven't, whose eyes are blinded to the Messiah, the Hindus and atheists, all make Jesus less than he is. All of them. All of them. Every cult makes Jesus less and man more. The Mormons teach you can be God of your own planet. That's a pretty good recruiting trip there. Amen. Hey, you can be God of your own planet, have as many wives as you want, and they'll all serve you for the rest of your life, and all your children will populate the planet, and you'll be God. That's making God less. That's making Jesus less and making man more. Amen. And that's what false teachers do. And we magnify the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called Christians. Amen. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And then we should live every day in anticipation of his soon return. I'm ready for him to come today. How about you? I'm so ready for heaven. I'm more ready for heaven now than I've ever been. I'm more heavenly minded than I've ever been. But at the same time, the time we've got left on this planet, we want to be about his business because people need to hear about Jesus. Amen? So let's begin there looking at marks of truly born again believers, how we see the world, and how we relate 
to it. Verse 15. So John's speaking, early church, false teachers have come in. They're trying to get the fo- he's trying to bring their focus back where it needs to be. And he says this to them, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So we are to love the people of the world that need Jesus. We want to love them. We want to share the Lord with them. But we are not to love this world. And the Bible even says in the last days, the men will call good evil and evil good. And we know that they will worship creation rather than the creator. Now, again, I'm, a, I'm an equal opportunity offender. So get ready. You ready? I'm not worried about global warming. I'm not worried about recycling. I'm not worried about, oh, you don't recycle, Pastor Dave. You need to repent. I'm not worried about anything. Now, look, we should be good stewards. I get all of that. But guess what? The warming I'm worried about for people is eternal. Amen? And it's not glory. And the, and the whole thing is that we're so focused on, and again, be good stewards. Take good care of, of the planet that God's given us. But we don't worship it. Amen? And, it, and we don't make it the priority because we already know, I've read the end of the book, God wins and he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. Amen? So there's this mentality that we have in the world today where the focus is on everything but Jesus. His name is used more today as a curse word than as a form of worship. He tells us not to love the world, not the worldly system, those things that compete with God's rightful place, the world's, the world's values, its goals, its pursuits, its priorities are contrary to the word of God. Amen? What the world desires is in direct contradiction to what the word of God commands. And so we're not to love that. We're not to participate in it. Giving our time and attention, money and passions to the things of the world instead of to the things of God. Now we know there's a balance here because the Bible tells men that we are to work by the sweat of our brows all the days of our life and godly men provide for their families. Godly men protect their wives and children. Godly men serve them, love them and lead them spiritually. Amen. So we are to be, again, faithful to the things God's called us to do in this world, but we are not to follow the example of the world and the things of the world. Again, the Gnostics taught, give your spirit to God and indulge your fleshly desires. The Bible tells us by your fruit, they shall know us as believers. If God so loved the world, why can't we? Well, God loves the people of the world, but he doesn't love the things that the world does, and neither should we. The world hates Christ. It says in John 15, if the world hates you, you know, it hated me before it hated you. So the world hates Jesus. They don't want to hear his name. They mock his name. And, as, and here's what's happened to a lot of Christians. They become like the world. They kind of, well, I separate my faith from my work environment. Your work environment is your mission field. Amen. God puts you in there to be salt and light. When you show up for work tomorrow, the Holy Spirit just entered the building. Amen? And we are called to be salt and light. And we've listened to the lie of the world and the devil to tell us, keep your faith. Most of you know I have a full-time job. I get, by God's grace, I get to share my faith every day. And I pray for God to give me an opportunity to share my faith every day. And you know what? That's the prayer he answers. Amen? I have 200 accounts. They all call me Pastor Dave. They know where I'm coming from. I've done weddings for them. I've done their funerals for family members. I've done marriage counseling with my clients. Well, we want to be salt and light, amen? 
When this time is coming past, only what we've done for Christ will last. People need Jesus, and you are the light that he put in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood. We are to be in the world, but not of it. We're to minister to the world, but not get choked off with its cares, its riches, its pleasures of life. Remember the parable of the sower? Remember that that third plant, it grows up and begins to bloom, but it gets choked off by the thorns. And that's a picture of those of us who allow the world to overtake us. Now, I'm, I'm going to confess openly. How many of you, if you hang out like with my coworkers, and they love to talk about things like investing or whatever, and they're not like improper things necessarily, but if you spend enough time around them, you get your focus more on that for a time than where your focus should be. Am I the only one ever guilty of that? It's easy for that to happen. Amen? We can get caught up in a hobby. We can get caught up in our career. And again, do your job as unto the Lord. Be the best worker in the building. But that's not your God. And that shouldn't be the greatest passion of your life. Amen? In describing the dangers of worldliness, he points to inward appetites and prideful thoughts more than outward laws and codes. Notice what he says in verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, you do know that God gives us good desires that we should have. We get hungry. God allows us to get hungry. Why? Because if we don't eat and we don't nourish our bodies, we'll die. Amen? So hunger is a good desire, but gluttony is not. Amen? Uh, Thirst isn't evil, but drunkenness is. Amen? Uh, Sleep is not evil, but slothfulness and laziness is. Read Proverbs. Amen? There's a line in the street. There's a line in the street. I can't go to work. As a a door turns over on its hinge, so a lazy man rolls over in his bed. You know, go read, read Proverbs, right? It talks about laziness being a sin. Physical intimacy is not evil. God created it. It's wonderful in the confines that God created it to be in, which is in a marriage between a man and a wife. Amen? I always used to, when I was a youth pastor for 15 years, I used to equate it to fire. You know, fire is good and fire can be bad. If you put fire in the fireplace, it warms the house. You can cook your food. You put it in the drapes, it burns the house down. Amen? And physical intimacy is a picture, again, it's that... Being united, it's a picture of Christ in the church. It's a wonderful thing. It's how we procreate. But we live in a world today where marriage is mocked, where marriage is being perverted. Again, physical intimacy is not evil, but physical intimacy outside of godly confines of marriage is. So God gives us godly desires that we should channel in a godly way, but when we go outside of his will or outside of his word, it becomes evil. Amen? When I tell, I'm going to tell this story. So my daughter, she's having her baby, she had her baby shower yesterday. My wife's in Colorado with all our grandkids and two of our kids for the next two weeks. And she had her baby shower. And, and you know what? I have five grandsons and she's about to have my first granddaughter in August. I'm excited. Spoiled rotten already. I'm coming. It's all over. I, I, Papa's coming. We're going to spoil like rotten. That's what we do. Now, when I tell people this, and, I, and look, I'm not trying to be prideful or anything, but my daughter, I was the most overprotective dad who ever lived. I still am. 
overprotective. Uh, back in, before 2009, my surgery, I was a pretty yoked guy. I was a competitive weightlifter and all this. And I would go do chapel and have my daughter stand up and I'd say, that's my baby girl. Any of you guys get within five feet of her, I will break you off in Jesus' name. <laughs> and every guy in her school was scared to death of me. And my, my daughter was not very happy with me, as you can imagine. But you know what? I was always praying for the man that God had for her. And I said, when I take your hand out of mine and put it in his, I'm going to know that's the man that God chose to take my place, to be the spiritual leader in your life. And do you know that when I said you may kiss the bride, it was the first kiss of my daughter's life. And now they've been married for 15 years, are about to have their fifth child. He's pastoring a church in Colorado, and they love Jesus. Guys, we can do it the right way. Amen? And when I tell this story, people come up to me and go, no, that didn't really happen, right? Now, you're just making that up. Your daughter's probably lying to you. Here's the reality. And look, I have other kids didn't do it the right way, all right? Because we we don't all do it the right way. Most of us don't do it the right way. Can I get an amen to that? Now, God is gracious going forward, but we need to understand that these are the things that draw us away from the Lord. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. The word flesh there, it can mean physical skin, and flesh where you know, covers our bones, but it carries the idea of the sin nature. So the sin nature does not think of anything spiritually, and it just wants what it wants. It wants to be pleasured. It wants to go out and get drunk and sleep around and you know whatever that thing is. It just wants to be fed, and it doesn't care about the consequences. And Satan is the father of lies, amen? And he will tell you, go on party, bro. God will forgive you. It's all good. You know, he, doesn't talk, he doesn't remind you of the, you know, the car wrapped around the telephone pole or puking in the gutter the next day. Amen? He always points to the temporary fleshly pleasure and not the consequences that come with it. You've heard me say this before. The Word of God is not a fence to keep you out of Disneyland. It's a guardrail to keep you from driving off a cliff. See, it's not trying to keep you from fun, but to keep you from harm. He's our Heavenly Father. He's almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful. He loves you so much. He sent His Son to suffer and die that you might have eternal life, and He knows what's best for you. Let's listen to Him and not to the world. Amen? That's the exhortation. And the lust of the flesh is just that desire. It says in Galatians, this is a New Living Translation. I don't use it often, but I liked the way that it was worded here. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, ambition, divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your little group, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I've said before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Whoa. So the lust of the flesh is just a desire the sinful desire of my, the, you know, the fallen person I was desires the flesh, the things of the flesh. Now, some will say, well, Pastor Dave, that's kind of rough that we have that command and then we're, we're tempted. Well, let me read this to you. James 1 says, let no one say he is tempted. I am tempted of God who is tempted. I'm tempted of God for God cannot tempt with evil. Neither does he tempt any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. So God doesn't tempt us. Temptation starts when we're drawn away by our own desires. 
And then if we are tempted, it's, we're being tempted by the enemy. But I will say this, Satan's resources are limited. He is not the opposite of God. He is toast compared to God. Can I get an amen to that? He's not all-knowing, almighty, and all-powerful. He is a created being. He's not the creator. He cannot read your mind. And by the way, I had this question twice this week. The devil cannot possess a born-again believer. Amen? We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And every time you're tempted, God makes a way of escape. Amen? So you're tempted when you're drawn away by your own desires. And then often the enemy will come in and try to drag you in that direction. So we can't blame God. And I want to say this. You've heard me say it if you've been coming here for a while. The temptation isn't just an opportunity to fall. It's an opportunity to grow. Because when you're tempted, if you resist it, the devil flees from you and you grow spiritually. But when we give into it, it draws us away from the Lord and we need to repent. One of the ways we are tempted is from the inside, inside our own wicked hearts. If we allow ourselves to be drawn away and given to the thought, that's when it gives birth to sin. We need to put our flesh to death, not entertain it. It's never going to be satisfied. It's never going to have enough. Again, we need to put it to death. So the lust of the flesh is the desires that your flesh has, that your body has for worldly pleasure. Then he says the lust of the eyes. Now the lust of the eyes is when you see something and you want it. And the first one I, I can think of in the Bible was Eve. And if you remember in the Bible that, what did Satan do? You know, he said to her, oh, you can eat of anything. Well, no, no, I can eat of anything. I just can't eat of that one tree. And then he tells her, well, did God really say? So Satan always challenges the word of God. Amen. Like every deconstructing person on TikTok who says they're a pastor who needs to repent in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I used to be a pastor, and now I just don't believe it. But bro, you were never saved if you can even say that. Can I get an amen to that? And there's a lot of people behind pulpits that don't know Jesus, and you test everything they say against the Word of God. Amen? The Word of God is the final court of authority. I don't care what denominations say. I don't care what historians say. I don't care what anybody else has to say. The Word of God is the foundation of truth. Amen? They keep changing their mind. You know, I, I'm, I'm almost 60, but evidently, according to scientists, I'm a couple billion years old because they've added years to the age of the earth since I was in high school. It's billions of years older than it was then. They keep changing their mind, but the word of God is, and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So the lust of the eyes is when you see something that you desire. And then Eve saw, when you read in the text, she, she looked, she saw, she took and then she ate of the tree. And that's what happens. The lust of the eyes is you see something that you want. You allow your flesh to be stirred up. You're drawn toward it. And then you go and you take it. And again, he tells us that again, the lust of the eye, it, it's never satisfied. It will induce you to sin. It doesn't produce freedom, but bondage. And again, our senses can be a gateway to sin. Things we look upon we begin to lust after covetousness, greed. We need to be careful with how we entertain ourselves. Amen? You can get desensitized to sin. If you see a certain sin enough times, you won't even think of it as sin anymore. Amen? And so be careful. I'm not trying to be legalistic, but I want to say this, that we should, I don't believe that we should be taking God's money and then spending it to watch the very sins that Christ died for being lifted up. Amen? Or his name being cursed. 
Amen? You know, the, the dinner was really good. There was just a little arsenic in a couple of the dishes. But other than that, was, and this is what I hear from people. Hey, Pastor Dave, you, go, you should go see this movie. I said, oh, would, 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 I, would you take Jesus to it? Would you take your eight-year-old to it? Well, you know, uh, well, you know, it's good except for the, you know, there's a couple things, scenes of adultery and they take God's name in vain 11 times. But other than that, it's pretty good. It's garbage. Can I get an amen to that? It's not honoring unto the Lord. I'm not trying to be legalistic. Everybody, you be, it's between you and the Lord. But I just know that if we watch it enough, we'll, con- we'll start conforming to it. Amen? If you see it with your eyes, you take it in. We need to make a covenant with our eyes. Not to look on things that will draw us away from the Lord. Again, the flesh will be set, never be satisfied no matter how much you feed it. It is a gateway to sin. Eve sinned when there had been no sin. Eve was sinless. Eve was walking in the cool of the day. Had intimate fellowship with the Father. I mean, it's the closest the world's ever been to heaven. And even in that, she chose to sin. And so it's something, no doubt, that we all battle with. And then thirdly, it says they're the pride of life. And this which pleases our ego, the concern about what other people think about me more than what God thinks about my behavior. I want to I wanna know how people see me. I want to be famous. I want to be well-known. I want to have a lot of followers. And again, those have been coming a while. You've heard this 10 times, so 11 won't hurt. 10 is uh, way more than 10. But if we took a picture of this whole room, we developed it, blew it up, and put it on the wall, and you walked up there to look at the picture. Whose picture are you looking for first? Whose picture are you looking for first? And you're going to determine whether that picture is good or not based on how you look. If you look goofy and everybody else looks great, reprint. No, we can't have that. No, that, no, no, no. My wife still does that. If we take pictures, we're going to post. We don't do selfies in my family. We do ussies. You know what that is? That's me and my wife together, maybe, or whatever, with our kids. And she's like, before you post that, I got to look. Don't, don't be posting that. And I've been married 37 years, so I don't be posting that. <laughs> right? But the point I'm making is that we are cons- more concerned sometimes with how we look before men than how we stand before God. Amen? And you know why we don't share our faith as much as we should? Because we're more fearful of men than we are of God. And so the exhortation here is not to walk in that pride of life. Again, focusing on who you are. By the way, people are not thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. They're all thinking about themselves, wondering what you're thinking about them, and you're not thinking about them, you're thinking about yourself. Amen? So this is a world we live in, and there's this exaltation of self. We need to die to self, take up the cross, and follow him. Amen? Sinful passion, sinful possession, sinful position, so much striving today for worldly possessions and positions. So much of what we do revolves around fulfilling our fleshly desires. We're far more concerned with immediate gratification of the flesh, possessing that which the world has to offer, our image in the eyes of men. It would so much so we'd rather dial down the gospel than be seen as a Jesus freak. Uh, you know what? Somebody called me that years ago at a bowling alley. She came up to me and goes, you're just a Jesus freak. And I went, thank you. Amen. <laughs> had a lady to leave our church in Santa Cruz and I ran to the grocery store and she said, I couldn't come to your church anymore. You act like Jesus is the only thing that matters. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> if that's what we're portraying, praise the Lord. Amen. And we want to love people the way the Lord loves them. We need to more fo- be fo- more focused on who we are in the eyes of God. 
and all that we possess in him and our eternal home in heaven than worrying about what the world thinks about us. Amen? Amen. Who, here, I tell this all the people all the time. No one on this planet is happier than me. You can be as happy because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. And what's the next word? Joy. And joy is not based on your circumstances. It's based on who you are in Christ. Your circumstances may change, but who you are in Christ never will. Amen? And if you're new to the church, uh, it was 10 months ago today that my 28-year-old son went to be with the Lord. I did CPR on him. And I'll tell you what, it's a thousand times worse than anything else I've ever been through in my life. And it still breaks. I still weep daily. That being said, I still have the joy of the Lord because God sent his son to die on the cross. I'm going to see my son again. And we can still have joy in the midst of the greatest trials of this life if we focus on Jesus. You've heard my analogy for, you know, my acronym for joy, Jesus, others, yourself. As long as we put Jesus first, others second, and ourselves last, we can have joyful lives. Amen? And too many of us have yoge. Amen? We need joy. We're living in a world that's empty. It's unsatisfying. Don't raise your hands. But many of you have tried drugs and alcohol. How'd that work out? Many of you slept around. How'd that work out? Many of you got caught up in, uh, you know, chasing after money and you got a lot of money and you became wealthy and it's still empty. Amen? Because see, there's a God-shaped vacuum that only he can fill. Sex won't fill it. Drugs won't fill it. Money won't fill it. Power won't fill it. Uh, Recognition by the world won't fill up. Fame won't fill it. Only he can because he created you to have a relationship with him. And when you don't have a relationship with him, your life is incomplete. Amen? So Jesus is the answer. It's empty, completely void without him. It says in verse 17, and the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides how long? Forever. This world is passing away. And all I can say to that is thank you, Jesus. Amen? I'm thankful that the world's passing away. But that being said, I am burdened for every person on this planet that does not know the Lord. Every believer this side of heaven should be burdened for every unbeliever this side of hell. Amen? And we know that Jesus is coming back, but what does it say in Scripture on why he is waiting? Because there are still more people to be saved. You've heard me say this before. If it's you that's stopping this whole thing, get saved today so we can go home. Amen? But we want... We should desire, again, to minister to the world, but have no fellowship with it. One of the things my dad used to always say, and I, my dad's now in heaven, he was a pastor for 60 years, it's all gonna burn. And guys, it's all gonna burn. Can I get an amen to that? That car that you park way out on the very end of the parking lot and you take up two parking spots, you don't get a ding in your door, it's gonna end up in a junk heap before it's over. Can I get an amen to that? That stuff that we just want to hold on to and we prize so much. And I'm not saying we shouldn't take good care of our possessions. We should. But that being said, it's all going to burn. And all the things that we strive for in this life, we're fighting over deck chairs in the Titanic. This thing's going down. What matters is, is where are we with Jesus? That's what's going to be eternal. Amen? Well, I got a bigger pile of dirt than you do, right? Do you know that in heaven, gold is asphalt? Amen? What are the streams paved within the Bible? What does it say in the Bible? So that thing that we strive for here, can you imagine if somebody told it, it's an analogy, an illustration that the guy said, you can take two suitcases of anything you want with you to heaven. And God allowed him and he brought all of his gold. And he's like, dude, you had two suitcases full of stuff and you brought asphalt? Because here's the reality. The stuff that we treasure here is of little to no value there. Amen? 
What matters is who we know. What matters is spending eternity in heaven with the Lord. So point number one there, how we see the world and how we relate to it. As born again believers, we should be ministering to the world, but having no fellowship with it, recognizing we should be good stewards of the things God's given us, hard workers, uh, good uh, fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, grandparents. We should be uh, faithful. Again, your employers should want 20 more people just like you. We should do all of those things that honor the Lord in it, but recognize that everywhere we go, we represent Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and we are his ambassadors, amen? And this is not our home. Heaven is our home. We need to focus more of our passions on that which will outlast this life than the stuff that's perishing. Amen? Point number two, who we say that Jesus is. Now, this should be easy. It should be really easy. By the way, I love, I've been watching Jeopardy a lot. Just, it's always humbling, right? Watch Jeopardy and you're like, I'm an idiot by the time they're done. <laughs> but what blows me away is they get to the Bible these guys know who wrote a 14th century French poem, right? You're like, really? Your head explodes when they have the answer to that. But then it says, you know, how many books in the Bible? Nobody rings in. Wow. Then it asks simple questions. The $2,000 question was, this is the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. what does it say? What does it say? Jesus. You would all got the $2,000 question right. Why? Because here's the thing, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying that it's not good to have knowledge about other stuff, and I learn when I watch the show, but guys, what really matters is where we are with the Lord. Amen? And biblical ignorance is a problem in our country. And the sad truth is biblical ignorance is a, is a problem in a lot of churches who will teach seven steps to financial three, freedom and three ways to overcome your anger and Beaver doesn't live here anymore and the roller coaster ride of life. We're not going to teach any of that nonsense. We're going to teach the Bible. Can I get amen to that? We're going to teach the whole counsel of God. We're not skipping over stuff. Nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. Now look what he says here in verse 18. Little children. Remember he said this last week? This means beloved dear ones. You know, he has a love for them. Now, but at the same time, the word little children there has the kind of the connotation that he's speaking to a lot of people that are probably pretty new in their faith. So they're newer believers. They don't fully grasp the whole counsel of God at this point. They're growing in the Lord. And so he's speaking to them to speak into their lives. Again, early in the chapter, he referred to those who are brand new in the faith or the spiritually immature. By the way, how long you're a Christian doesn't always equate to how spiritually mature you are. You would hope it would, but there are people that have been Christians 50 years that are still infants. And there are people that have been walking with the Lord for a few years that are very spiritually mature. And why is that? Because one of them spends a lot of time with the Lord in his word, in prayer, in fellowship. And the other one is a, you know, a CEO Christmas and Easter only Christian, or they come once in a while. They're not in fellowship. They never open their Bibles. Again, the only way you're going to grow is you've got to feed. Amen. And if you don't feed on the word of God, you're not going to grow spiritually. And so he's exhorting them. It's, rem it's re going to remind them and warn and protect all believers as they lived in the midst of both a pagan and godless world on the outside and false teachers on the inside. That sounds like California. Amen? It reminds them, they live midst of wicked and pagan and godless world and false teachers on the outside, false teachers on the inside. So then he says this, little children, it is the last hour. Now, 
people go, Pastor David's written 2,000 years ago. How is it still the last hour? I've had people take me this verse, last hour, see? You're not coming back, last hour. Made that promise. By the way, do you know in the Bible it says a day is to 1,000 years as 1,000 years is to a day? You know that's in the Bible? And it was 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham, 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus, and 2,000 years from Jesus to us. What are we about to enter into? Seventh day, amen? He created the heavens and earth in six days, and the seventh day he rested. How long are we going to rule and reign with the Lord on earth? What's the answer? Thousand years. So guys, we're at that time. And when people say, well, that was 2,000 years ago. Well, in God's eyes, it was two days ago. So we're still soon, amen? And we're closer than we've ever been, amen? Now, no man knows the day or the hour, and we shouldn't go sell all of our stuff and build a compound to protect ourselves. Don't do that. We need to minister to the world, but we need to live with a sense of urgency. Amen? Now, we should prepare like we're going to be here for the next 30 or 40 years, however, long, however old you are, maybe a lot longer than that. But we also should live every day in light of the fact that Jesus Christ could come back tomorrow. Amen? Now, the time you live in today is called the church age. We'll see this in the book of Revelation. The church age. When did the church age start? When Jesus rose from the dead, when the Holy Spirit was given in Acts chapter 2. So we are now in the church age. And the church age will come to an end when the church is raptured and taken away. So during that time, he's exhorting them that, look, this time is short, this hour, we're in the last hour. He says, as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even many Antichrists have come by which we know that this is the last hour. Now, right now, God is withholding his righteous judgment. And there are times when we see things and we recognize just how gracious God is. Where you see something and go, how did, how did the Lord not smoke that dude with some lightning? They just say the most blasphemous things and you think, wow. But it also shows that our God is gracious. Amen? And so we're waiting. We know we're coming to the end. And as we're coming to the end, the Antichrist is coming. But he says many Antichrists have already come. And he's going to describe what an Antichrist looks like. Now, some of you will disagree with me, and we can disagree with this. It's a non-essential in the faith. We're still brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. I do not believe that we will, we will recognize the Antichrist before we're gone. I actually think when the church leaves, look what happened with COVID. The world lost its mind. Can I get an amen to that? Literally lost its mind, shut down the world. What do you think is going to happen when all the Christians disappear? When the Holy Spirit is not here, as evident as he is now, and the world is left to itself. By the way, if you go back and look at the last thousand major inventions, a majority of them were, came from Christians, by the way. Amen. And the people that God uses. So the church disappears. What in the world is going to happen? Well, in the midst of all that, there's going to be starvation and other things taking place, and someone's going to rise up. He's going to be charismatic. He's got to come from the old Roman Empire. I mean, every president that gets elected, somebody comes and tells me that person's the Antichrist, and I keep on telling them, no. Was he born? In, I know, he, he, I get it, but was he born? In, no, he's not, okay? But he's going to rise up afterward, and I think he's going to come up with some solutions to feed the world or whatever that major world problem is, and they're going to start, they're all going to align under this guy with a one-world government, and then three and a half years in, he's going to portray himself to be God. They're all going to realize they've been duped, and then we're going to have even the greater part of the tribulation in the last three and a half years. So that's coming, that Antichrist, but the spirit of Antichrist is already here. So what is the spirit of Antichrist? What is, what is that? Let's keep reading. 
So the spirit of Antichrist, first of all, we'll see in a moment, it's anybody who denies that Jesus Christ is God. Amen? If you deny that Jesus Christ is God, that is the spirit of Antichrist. So, if you, and if you change him, if you say that he is a God, not the God, he's, by the way, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. That's so simple, amen? But people will say, oh, well, there's many paths. No, there's not. There's many paths to God, and one leads to heaven, the rest lead to hell, amen? So, Matthew 24, we know that in the end times, there will be wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and earthquakes and famines. And many will say, those have always happened. And to some degree, that's true, but they will grow in number and intensity. And that's just the beginning of the sorrows. Christians will be killed. They will be hated by all nations for his name's sake. False prophets will rise up and deceive many. Do you know it's only in the last 150 years that the Mormon church began, the Jehovah's Witnesses began, religious science began, Scientology began. What's happening is all these false prophets come along, they add to the word of God, they've always got another book, or they're retranslating the book that we already have, and then what do they do? They draw millions away. And the Bible tells us in the last days, we will see people walking away from the truth. Millions have followed the lives of these cults, and again, most of them are about 100 to 150 years old. The Bible tells us in the last days, lawlessness will abound. Look what it says here. Let me read it. They went out from us, but they're not of us. If they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, and they might well be manifest that none of them were with us. See, here's the reality that they, there are people that are posers, right? Christian posers. You think they're Christians based on some of their behavior, but then you see them walk away. And some will say, well, they lost their salvation. And again, we can agree to disagree. I don't believe you can lose your salvation because the Bible tells us that when, when the Lord saves us, that no one can snatch us out of his hand. Amen? That his, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And praise God, there's not an eraser on that pen. Amen? That being said, you can pretend to be a Christian. By your fruit, they shall know you. And some will walk away. It tells us that the love of many will grow cold. In the last days, a lawless, godless, loveless, self-centered society that is filled with war and famine and disease and has hatred for those who stand for Jesus, Christians being beaten and martyred for their faith. Does that sound familiar? Look, we, we live in candy land compared to a lot of the world. Do you know, and I read this in the Voice of Martyrs, more Christians have, were put to death last year than any year in human history. Because there's persecution that takes place that we don't see. We've, we had churches folding up because we were told we couldn't have church because of COVID. And there are people that fold up and still haven't started meeting again. So if they're going to fold up under those circumstances, what in the world are they going to do? See, that's the world we live in today, unfortunately. You've heard the Antichrist is coming. There are many Antichrists. Again, these last days attributes, not only the Antichrist, one whom we'll, we'll see in depth when we get to the book of Revelation. And again, the Antichrist is a word that uh, uh, occurs five times in the Bible and only in the letters of John. John's the only one that talks about the Antichrist. Talks about him here. He talks about him in the book of Revelation. Again, throughout the scripture, he's known as the beast, the son of perdition, the man of sin, the lawless one. Uh, the word in Greek there for antichrist can mean against Christ, but it can also mean instead of Christ. To what I really believe that that spirit of antichrist is where somebody puts somebody else in his place. Amen? 
When a Mormon comes to my door, Joseph Smith or Jesus? Oh, we believe in both. Okay, but if they disagree with each other, who are you picking? The polygamist who died in a gunfight or the creator of the world who died on the cross and rose from the dead? Whose team are you going to be on in those two? Amen? And, and the sad part is they put people in the place of Christ. Muhammad, the prophet of the sword, convert or die. I have Muslim friends. I love to tell them about the Lord. But Muhammad went around with put th- put knives to people's throats and said, convert or die. You get a lot of converts that way. People want to convert because they don't want to die. And I always tell people, look, Muhammad said, follow me or I'll kill you. And Jesus would say, follow me because I died for you. I'm following Jesus. How about you? Amen. So there's an instead of where we put something in the place of Jesus, not just against him, but that's certainly true. But instead of making him the priority, giving him the position that only Jesus should have. And let me just say this. This isn't even in my notes. We should put nothing before the Lord. That includes our spouse and our children. Because the best thing I can do for my wife is love Jesus more than I love her. Because if I love Jesus more than I love her, I'll love her more. Amen? And my children and my grandchildren. And that's heavy. Some of us went, ooh, I got to love Jesus more than my grandchildren. Yes! Because we love our grandkids. So much it hurts. Amen? The Antichrist will have surrounding him the kind of personality cult we are conditioned to accept today. Co-worker of mine, when I lived, when I was in San Jose, he literally had a huge shrine to Obama in his de- at his desk. And he told me, he put it there, he said, well, you've got that real men love Jesus, so this is my Messiah. I was like, wow, okay. I put my Obama stuff up to combat your real men love Jesus bumper sticker. That's what he told me. I said, well, when Obama raises from the dead, come talk to me. Amen. When he ascends into heaven and is received by, yeah, none of that. We need to pray for him though, amen? Many antichrists, small a have come, false teachers, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders so as even to mislead, if possible, the elect. It's not the Satanists and the occult rockers like Marilyn Manson who are gonna have a great impact. It's sadly those who look pretty good, appear as an angel of light, and then draw people away with a lie. We'll see this in chapter four, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming. It is now already in the world. So what that says is if anybody denies who Jesus is, it is the spirit of Antichrist. That video also had Joel Osteen on it. And Joel Osteen was asked, we need to pray for him. Joel Osteen was asked, come on, do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven and everybody who rejects him will go to hell? What's the answer to that? Okay. Joel Osteen said, well, you know, you know, it's my way, but I'm not so sure uh, who am I to say to somebody else that their way is not as good as my way. Well, guess what? It's not what you think. It's what the word of God says. And Jesus said, there is the only the way. So guys, we don't speak from our authority, but from his authority, what the truth is. And don't water it down because you're afraid that some people won't like you anymore. Look, we need to love people enough to tell them the truth, even if they don't want to hear it. Amen. Yes. But don't be a jerk. 
Don't be obnoxious. Be kind, be loving, be gracious, and tell the truth. Amen? They deny the fullness of who Christ is, man putting anyone or anything in his place. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Antichrist, religious leaders who undermine his deity, his sinless perfection, the virgin birth. I've had pastors, it doesn't really matter if we believe in the resurrection. Are you kidding me? If he has not risen, we are the most sad people on the planet. But I've been to the tomb, and guess what? He's not there. He is a risen, living Savior who's triumphed over sin and death. Amen? Verse 19. Again, they went from us. So they went out from us, not talking about Christians who leave to go to another church. I've had people like, yeah, we're the only ones that get it. If you leave and go to another church, you've gone out from among. We're all one church, amen? And pray, we're all on the same team. We're not competing with each other. I'm as excited when people get saved at the church down the street where the word of God is being taught as if they get saved here. We're, that's what, we're all on the same team. Can I get an amen to that? So he's not talking about that. He's talking about people that walk away from the church completely. They, they, they're out of fellowship. They reject the gospel. And again, the founders of nearly all cults began in Christian churches, walked away from them, added to it. Notice it says there, but they have not continued. The word there is abide. Those who truly know the Lord will abide. How many of you guys know who Raul Reese is? I love Raul. You still got that heavy, you know, Mexican, you know, Spanish accent. You know what, bro? Check it out, man. Check it out, bro. Here's the deal, man. If you're not abiding, you're not going. You got to be abiding, bro. You got to be abiding. Amen to that though. Amen. You know what? Abiding doesn't save us, but if we're saved, we will abide. Amen. Amen? So it's the fruit of salvation, not the source of salvation. Verse 20. Then he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Whoa, that's kind of heavy, huh? By the word, has that word anointing been kind of ruined by some people? If you watch the name and claim it, grab it and blab it, believe it and achieve it, you know, prosperity doctrine, they'll talk about, you got to have an anointing, and I'm anointed. And I saw this guy on TV, and he, uh, he was in these street clothes because his, his stuff got lost. And they said, well, why didn't, you know, someone offered to let him wear another suit. He said, I couldn't wear that suit because I didn't know that suit was anointed. My clothes are anointed. I'm anointed. Stop it already. If you have to tell me you're anointed, you're not. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> but it does tell us the word there, the Holy Spirit's been poured out upon us. Amen. And we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we've been, we've been gifted by God. Everybody who's a believer, you've been gifted by God. And God wants to use you for his kingdom and for his glory. Amen? And here is what he is telling these early believers. You have an anointing from the Holy One, from the Holy Spirit. The word anointing there in Greek is chrisma. It means a special endowment of unction that can only come from the Lord. John's speaking of a common anointing that belongs to all believers. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in everyone who's saved. You know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would only be given to certain people for a certain amount of time. But what does David say in the Psalms? Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So they, they, were, they were given the Holy Spirit for a period of time, but when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, go and wait for not many days from now, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. So he'd breathe the Spirit in them in Luke. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon them in Acts. And so while we're not blessed to walk with Jesus every day, it would have been amazing to be one of the apostles and walk with Jesus for three years. But you know what's really amazing? We have the Holy Spirit every day of our life from the moment we get saved until we go to heaven. Amen. And so we don't, we don't live this life alone. 
I made this statement and, you know, Lord, forgive me. I was, you know, I have moments where it's tough and I'm grieving. And I said, you know, Lord, you're going to have to forgive me because if I went to heaven tonight, I might run to hug my son before I hugged you. And here's the only reason why, because I still have you. Amen. I still have the Lord. He has not left me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He's still with me. Amen. And, you know, and I'm sure that I'll run to Jesus first. But the point I'm making, though, is, you know, is that, there's that mentality because, see, the Lord doesn't leave us. And we must never take that for granted. Amen? Holy Spirit is given to all of us at salvation, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, the source of discernment. By the way, do you know that the Holy Spirit is a down payment on heaven? It says in Ephesians, we're blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, and assured. And the word that assured is we were given a down payment, a promissory note on heaven, and the promissory note is the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. So the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you means that you are heaven bound. Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord for that. He's in all of us, upon us when filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Almighty God, a brand new believer, anointed and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. We know the truth because of it. And notice he says there, and you know all things. You know, the way we know all things is we know him. I don't know all the answers on Jeopardy, but I know all things when it comes to eternal life. I know all things when it comes to the God that I follow. And the things I don't know, I can turn to his word and I can read it. Amen? So the anointing, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, we know the truth. We don't need to look any further. People love to give me books. And they give me books, and I, I, I have like 300 books that I've started to read. And I've finished like three of them. Because when I, and they're vitamins. The vitamins are okay if you've already had meat and potatoes, amen? This is meat and potatoes. And so when someone gives me a Christian book, and there's some Christian books that God's used to impact my life, and I'm okay with that. But if we only read those, we will starve to death. This is the real meat right here. Can I get an amen to that? So we need to be reading this and then read other books alongside it. But I have a pastor friend of mine that every time I talk to him, he's changed his, oh, I have a new vision for my church. What happened? Oh, I read this book, new vision. Six months later, oh, I read another book, new vision for my church. I want to tell you right now, the vision here is never going to change. Preach the word, love the people. There it is. Can I get an amen? That's what we're going to do. So he says there in verse 21, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And the no lie is of the truth. He's reminding them what they already know. See, this is good for us to be, how many of you need to be reminded, amen? I've had people tell me, well, I read through the Bible, so I'm not going to church anymore. I've already read the book. It's not Moby Dick, guys. Can I get amen to that? This is the living, breathing word of God. It's the only book that not only just changes you, Amen. The, and not only that, the author loves you. And the author died for you. And he gave you this love letter that you might walk with him. Yes. In addition to the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we, they had the word of God. He tells them, not only that, but you have, the word, you have the truth. I've already given it to you. I've given you the Holy Spirit. Guys, we should walk in the spirit. And we should spend time in the word of God. When he says you know all things, to know is aware, perceive, understand. We know, we don't hope, we don't wish, we don't think. How many of you know that you're going to heaven? Christianity is not a hope so, it's a no so. But I will talk to people and say, are you going to heaven? I hope so. Okay, we need to have a good discussion. Because the people that hope so don't have 
don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They have not been born again because if they have, they know that God promised to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? That we don't die. We just move to a much better neighborhood. We close our eyes on earth and we open them up in glory. Amen? So one of these days, I'm older than most of you, and if the Lord tarries, there's going to be, it's gonna, someone's going to call you, probably be on Facebook, Pastor Dave died. Don't believe it. Because I haven't died, I just moved. I've been telling my wife, put me in a U-Haul box and leave me on the curb because this is just moving day, amen? And guys, for believers, we don't die. We truly do move to a much better place. A lost man has no clue about the truth. They focus on all the wrong things. And John's not providing them with new information, but what they already know is reminding them of who they are in Christ and all that he has done for them. And again, he's doing that so they, he says, against the lies. See, if we, the only reason we'll fall for the lie is if we don't know the truth. Amen? How many of you have seen this special called Keep Sweet? Anybody have seen that? It's about Jeffer, that guy Jeffers, who was the head of one of the Mormon clans. And he had over a hundred wives and they kept calling him the prophet and they worshiped this guy. And it is so tragic because if they knew the truth, they would recognize that 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 guy is a lie. Amen. And this is why we need to be in the word so we don't get fooled by the world. Today, things are going on around us right now. We live in a very divided nation. And I don't think that COVID changed the church. It just showed us where we were. Amen? And the word of God is the plumb line of truth against which everything else around us must be measured. May we be like the Bereans in Acts 17, 11. We don't take even the words of the apostle Paul at face value. It says they receive the word with all readiness and search the scriptures daily to find whether or not these things are so. The Bereans checked everything against the plumb line of the word of God. I want you looking at the word, checking to see what I am saying, if it's really so. Test everything against the word of God. Let's finish up. Then it says there in verse 22, who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. There it is. Pastor Dave, that's mean to call that priest a liar. He made Jesus less than he is. Can I get an amen to that? Anybody who adds to Christ, takes away from Christ, adds to his word, takes away from his word, denies his deity, makes him less than he is, is a liar. That's what the word of God says. And, we, and again, we need to pray for those people, but we must not be uh, scared to death to uh, call out their lie. Amen. The word liar, there is a falsifier. Jesus is the truth and Satan is the father of lies. So when you tell a lie, you're being Satan-like. And when you tell the truth, you're being Christ-like. So it is satanic to say anything that to make Jesus less than he is. It says, whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ is of the spirit of antichrist. It's satanic and it's false. It's a lie. Amen. And we, and, and you know what? And they need to be called lovingly, bro. What does the word say? The one who denies, rejects, or does not accept. The word Christ that we know is Messiah, the anointed one, the one and only Savior. And again, he's dealing with the false teaching of the Gnostics, the self-proclaiming professors of deeper truth, thought that Jesus did not come in human flesh, that they could apart from, be apart from him, attain sinless perfection. The Gnostics were liars, and so is anybody today who denies who Jesus is. And here's what's denying too. We're, we're, we're going to finish up here. Here's what else is denying Jesus. Denying his virgin birth. Amen? 
Denied Jesus. Denying that he is the creator of all things. Denying that he has always existed. Go down the list, and if we deny any of those, if we take away from who Jesus is, we are liars. Amen? And then the last two verses, the last verse here, the last second half, it says, he is antichrist who denies the father and the son. Whoever denies the son does not have the father either. He who acknowledges the son has the father also. Uh, I love this verse when Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door. They stopped coming, but when they used to. I would say, let's look at this verse. What is it? Whoever denies the son does not have the father either. What do Jehovah's Witnesses preach? They're witnesses to the Father, and they deny that Jesus is God. Amen? They say that Jesus is Michael the archangel. They say that he was crucified on a stick, not on a cross. They have their own gospel. They changed John 1, 1, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. It changed to the Word was a God. So they changed the Bible. So what do we know? Anybody who denies the Son does not have the Father. So you cannot have a relationship with God if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And you have people, oh, I'm very spiritual. I'm just spiritual. Where are you at with Jesus? That's the question we need to ask. Where are you at? Not do you believe in God, the demons believe and tremble, but where, where are you at with Jesus? Amen? Amen? So, I know that was a lot. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. It's a package deal. You can't have God without the Son. Amen? And praise the Lord for that. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you, don't leave here without him. We're all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. We need to repent and seek forgiveness. Surrender your life to him. The Bible says you must be born again. He's more than a good teacher. He's more than an example to follow. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So in closing, marks of a truly born again believer, number one, how we see the world and relate to it. Again, in the world, but not of it. Living every day with a heavenly focus. Understanding that our flesh will never be satisfied. And the point number two there, who we say Jesus is. Reveals if reveals if we are the, indwelt by the Holy Spirit or the spirit of Antichrist by how we relate to the Lord and what we say about him. Live every day in anticipation of his soon return. I'm ready for him to come back. How about you? Amen? Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. You are a great and an awesome God. I know there's a lot, of, lot in this text this morning. May we all be encouraged, strengthened, challenged, rebuked if necessary. May we not be ashamed of the name that is above all names. May we not keep silent. May we fear you and not fear man. Help us to be salt and light. Help us to love people the way you love them. If somebody needs a hug, use our arms. If someone needs a word of encouragement, use our lips. And if someone needs to be told how they can be saved, Lord, give us those divine appointments. Help us to be, again, ready and prepared to tell others about the hope that lives within us. Be glorified in our lives. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. We thank you, Lord, that you've adopted us into your family. We thank you, Lord, that we know that when we close our eyes on earth, we'll open them up in glory. Lord, we long to see you face to face. We want you to come quickly, and I pray that when you come, we will be busy about your work. Lord, we ask these things in your holy and your precious name, we pray, and all God's people said...